Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on and pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, even though I don't sound like it. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, <laughs> you, you may not sound like you did uh, when you left, but as it's all good. It was funny. It was jarring for me when we first got on the call because I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm even when we play video games, Jocelyn's using her uh, her podcast mic. So it's been a long time since I've I've heard headset uh, Jocelyn. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really funny because um, like so we're in the middle of moving right now. We've sold our house. We're buying a new house. And so I don't have like my all my equipment and my permanent setup and everything else. So I'm just sitting here on like my little HyperX headphone, like gamer headphone setup. Like I haven't used this for anything other than like my my day job. <laughs> when like who cares what you sound like on a team's call right <laughs> so i'm just like as soon as we decided that i was going to try to come back and make this work as my dogs are barking like maniacs in the background uh <laughs> i'm like i am definitely missing my studio space and i hope it doesn't sound too terrible for you guys no it's fine it's fine you know because we are going to talk about zelda and we are going to uh talk about this big giant game and everyone's going to be focused on on that and uh, yeah everyone's going to be focused on my <laughs> terrible opinions that don't line up with the rest of the internet instead of how bad i sound <laughs> <laughs> uh come on there are parts if not small sections of tears of the kingdom that you're enjoying like maybe uh the uh pro controller you bought Right? Yes, uh, okay. which I don't actually have yet. <laughs> oh, well, well, it's pretty as, cool. As part of the move, I didn't know where we were going to be when all the Zelda stuff came out. So I put my parents' address down because I'm like, they never go anywhere. They've been in the same house for 40 years. So uh, yeah, I put their address down. So all my stuff is waiting for me at my parents' house, but I don't. I haven't actually tried it or played with it yet. So uh, it's the one bonus of not pre-ordering Legend of Zelda is that I actually just downloaded the digital copy. So uh, I didn't have to wait for my Tears of the Kingdom. So I actually did um, the deal where because i was so confused at first because there was like an ad on my switch that was like hey um you can get 30 30 off tears of the kingdom and i was like i can do what now <laughs> and so i did that like where you you buy like the two tickets for um like they're good for two full price games or whatever but it only costs like 120 or 130 dollars canadian um, so they're like, you buy these like two game vouchers through the Nintendo store and then you can redeem them on any Nintendo game. So I was like, okay, I'll get that. And then I'll get Tears of the Kingdom now. And I'm like, I'm sure there's going to be some full price Nintendo game over the next little while that I'm going to want to pick up. So yeah, I actually did it that way. And so over the course of uh, the next year, I do have to use it in 12 months, but over the course of the next year, I will have paid like $120 for two uh, Nintendo games instead of like 180. So it's pretty good. Yeah, I remember with the vouchers, I picked them up uh, last time they offered them. And it was, it was kind of a thought like, okay, even when they, and they had an expiry date on them in the sense that you couldn't buy them after a specific date. And uh, I actually pre-bought two tickets without knowing what I was going to be buying. But me, you know, it's a pretty safe bet I'm going to want to buy two Nintendo games, uh, you know, in the next year. Although I think after Zelda, the only confirmation we have is Pikmin 4. So at the very least, Jocelyn, you'll have Pikmin 4. 
Yeah, that's true. And I was like, I've never played a Pikmin game before. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. Not really sure. But um, there was also a couple that I hadn't actually purchased yet. So uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 I haven't bought yet. Uh, There's a couple of Kirby games that I don't own. So I was like, I wouldn't buy them today. I do. They're on my like would be nice to play list. And I'm like, if I hit like 11 months, 30 days, and it's like, this is going to expire tomorrow. I'm like, I have options to use it up that would still end up saving me money. Um, So I'm like, you know what, this is fine. Because, you know, I do, I would eventually like to play Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and, you know, like the Kirby games and stuff. So I'm like, this is fine. I can do this. This makes sense to me. I'm just going to do it because I'm like, I definitely, you know, $90 is a lot of money uh, for, for a Nintendo game. So... Yeah. And I know that I play, I paid 120 now. I realize that, but in the long run, it's going to be two games for sixty dollars each, right? So that to me just makes a lot more sense. No, it, it is a, a very good uh, investment on your end for sure. I think it's the right move. Yeah. So, anyways, I did have Tears of the Kingdom uh, day one ready to go, uh, but none of the accessories. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's a lie. There was one amiibo that was delivered to our house, our old house, and uh, my husband went back to cut the grass. And so he was able to pick up the amiibo for me, at least. Um, and I didn't understand when I bought the amiibo because I tried to stay away as much as I could from basically all of the like um, trailers and preview stuff and everything. So, I didn't understand the hand thing. And so, like, like the uh, Tears of the Kingdom amiibo is linked with like his hand sticking out. And I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> like the hand <laughs> sticking out Mario that I have is throwing a fireball, but there's like nothing in Link's hand. Like what is going on? So I was like, that's a weird choice of pose, but now I get it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff that they held back from the marketing that is established very early on. Cause I remember in the original trailers, like Link had this, different looking hand and there's a lot of stuff that is just not explained in the trailers that is very much you know addressed at the beginning so i really appreciated going in uh you know not knowing that stuff because it made that and this is a big big game and i think you and i jocelyn both agree that like the story revelations are few and far between like it's a very simple story guess what guys ganon's back yeah it's a zelda story right so it's like you're gonna play with some elements you've got the same kind of big bad guy that you always have um you've got the like the trifecta of link and zelda and ganon and you know they still don't stray too far from that but they do world build a little bit more in this one which i really enjoyed so we should probably say um at this point we are going to start talking about the gameplay we're going to start talking about the story. So if you are trying to completely and utterly miss spoilers for Tears of the Kingdom, now is the time to jump ahead to the news segment because we're go- this is Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is all we're talking about today. So um, we are going to get into some spoilers. Now, Ryan and I have not completed the game. I think we've both done two temples, though different temples. So we are going to be talking about that. Spoilers, there's temples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I feel like that's kind of to be expected in a Zelda game as well. So um, though I feel it's very difficult to spoil a Zelda game because I do think they're pretty simplistic, I also understand people who are trying to stay away like I was from um, some of the larger themes, uh, characters, and and mechanics. So if that's the case, then we'll see you in news. For everybody else, we're going to talk now about Tears of the Kingdom. 
So um, I think, so I've done the wind and the fire temples. You've done wind and sand, right? So, or lightning or <laughs> however you want to say it. Desert, desert. Desert, uh, desert, sure. <laughs> I did, I did, but you're right, lightning. I did lightning, I did water, and uh, I did wind. So I've done three oh, you've temples. Done, you've done the lightning one now. Okay, yeah. yeah. Last time we, we spoke, you hadn't actually made it in yet, so... That's good. I think I've just, uh, I've unlocked water and I've unlocked lightning, but I haven't actually gone into the temples yet because one of the things that I have found with Tears of the Kingdom is my attention is a little bit split. I find that like there's a lot going on in terms of like people sending you places. So you've got like a survey and research team that's trying to send you like down into the caverns that have opened up through like the catastrophe thing that happens at the beginning. I can't remember what they call it now. The upheaval. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. The upheaval. Yeah. So the upheaval happens at the very beginning. All of these chasms open up into this like underground crater cavernous dark area. You've also got the kind of sky area as well. So Every section of the map that you open up has a surface layer and then also the sky layer as well. So there's like shrines to find up there. There's lots of um, like materials for doing like your cooking and your crafting of your elixirs, all that stuff. Um, so the sky area is like the abandoned old civilization. And there's there's pieces of things to be found up there. Um, so there's lots to explore. And there's lots of things that are marked as main quests. Though I didn't make the Breath of the Wild mistake that I made going through trying to find all the memories first. I have been kind of going around trying to open up the map and following the quests as best I can. Instead of trying to find all the tiers all the time. <laughs> but when I do, I have been enjoying the story of the past and trying to figure out what happened to Zelda uh, to the point that I almost wish, and this is, I think the first time I've ever said this in gaming. I almost wish that they had split their focus or given us two games or something because I want to play through that old ancient war that Zelda is a part of, right? Like I want to play, I wish we could have like jumped between Link and Zelda somehow because I find Zelda and what she's going through way more interesting than what Link is going through right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they kind of did that with uh, you know Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity with the first one where you do. Yeah, normally I hate it. <laughs> normally I'm like pick a lane, but here I'm like I wish they'd pick the other lane. <laughs> with Hyrule Warriors, they did something similar with Age of Calamity where they uh, basically had you playing like an alternate. Although maybe I'm no, I'm completely incorrect in all of this because it wasn't the past that you were playing through. You weren't playing through the champions. You were sort of doing a maybe I'm not remembering Age of Calamity at all. But all that being said, like they've done there's they've done a spin-off before. The Hyrule Warriors games seem to do well for Nintendo. Maybe they they pick up that like ancient battle and do like a Age of uh Calamity 2 or something where where you are playing through those ancient battles um uh, against against Ganondorf although the memories don't really it doesn't really feel like it was a big battle it seems like there was maybe two battles one one where they won and one where they lost or one where they sealed right uh, it's hard to say uh, i'm not very far in the story but there's like you know it, it it's very clear that uh 
they managed to seal Ganondorf, but the, it, it obviously wasn't going to last forever. Yeah, that's very true. Like, I mean, like feeling like I really wanted to go and play through as Zelda, I found the first battle uh, quite quickly. Um, I think that's one of the first tiers that you find just as you kind of naturally like move through the the zones, like without going on much of a search. So um, I definitely found that quickly. And then you're right. It seems like a lot of the other ones are kind of like events setting up for one other big final battle that turns out to be the one where he's sealed away. So, you know, maybe there isn't as much gameplay there as I thought originally, but at the same time, like I just find that and like those characters very interesting and compelling and you only get such short little cutscenes with them. So, I almost feel like they're a little bit wasted slash I'm really not invested in the characters that you have like currently. Um, Like they're not terrible, but they're just like, I don't know, like childish, I guess. Like, especially the Rito champion. I'm like, you're such a little kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, man, oh man, I don't know. Like your past character self, Sage is so much more interesting than you are. Yeah. I mean, Zelda characters have always kind of been like the current Zelda characters have always been very like goofy, but like the past always seems like they're so stoic. Um, except for uh I think Breath of the Wild had like those champions, which were technically like past characters, and they some of them were goofy, some of them were more serious about about things, but yeah, like I think the 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 char- the ancient characters in in Tears of the Kingdom usually aren't too jokey. They're very serious, you know. And I I always prefer serious Zelda too, right? Like I liked Majora's Mask over Ocarina of Time. I liked Twilight Princess, you know. I, I liked even in Ocarina of Time. I liked once you actually you know did the time skip and grew up. Then I was like, oh hey, these temples, like the Spirit Temple, that was so badass. Like I like dark serious Zelda, so it's probably why I gravitate to the more stoic ancient characters than you know the kind of childlike ones that you have as your sages in the new time. Um, but the other thing I I find really, I guess, kind of like frustrating from a storytelling perspective is that like everything is the exact same and they've done that because you can play through in any order. So they kind of like funnel you to the wind temple, funnel you to the Rito area. Um, but after that, they just kind of say, go where you want, do what you want. Don't forget there's like these three other areas of, um, what do they call them? Um, anomalies or something like that that's not exactly the word but uh areas of interest basically it's the four other temple or three other temples um and you can go and do them in any order so as a result the cutscenes at the end of the temples and the story surrounding them are cut and paste exactly the same And so Link, though he's always quite quiet, has managed to explain how Zelda went missing, how they were responsible for the upheaval, how all this stuff is, you know, like they have to go into the temple to figure it out. And yet somehow doesn't explain that, hey, by the way, those crazy voices that you're hearing, like, 
that means you're a sage. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, you have this information that you just don't share with your friends because you're a jerk? Uh, question well, mark? <laughs> maybe. I, here's the thing. What if he's wrong? It would be very bad to set up uh, expectations. And then it's like, oh, turns out it's not you that's the sage. It's the other bird dude that I that I should have brought along with me. That's my But bad. it's exactly the same. <laughs> they even hear the same messages like, come find me. And yeah. Link's just like, do, do, do. <laughs> I know nothing or everything. You'll never know. <laughs> he's busy building a cart. He's, you know, he's got things to do. It's ridiculous. I hate it. <laughs> it's such a small part, though, isn't it? Like, it just feels small. In in, in like, here's the thing. It is. Uh, I was thinking about this too because it was one of the things you you had flagged uh, in our in our pre chat uh, over the last week. And I and I I put I put it in my brain. I'm like, okay, like let's see this. And um, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, I think I did two temples kind of back to back. And I was like, oof, yeah, this is very similar. Link, what are you doing? Explain things a little more. But like the moments leading up to it, outside of like the hearing the the passage talk, it, it's all different except for the except for the 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 sort of whenever he hears the sages and whenever you finally beat the boss. Exactly. Yeah. So the the sage stuff and the ending cutscene are the things that are copy pasted like sure. each zone has its own story in that like something different is happening to each set of people uh but even then you're like following around air quotes zelda and she's the one doing the bad stuff and so even then, it's like you see this like weird Zelda that's obviously being evil Zelda and you don't say anything. <laughs> and your companions are like, we have to help Zelda. And at no point does Link say, oh, it's probably not her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay. Like we should actually be careful. That's somebody wearing Zelda's face. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. He just doesn't say anything. And and he is Link and and his uh, uh, some folks around uh, around the world are are quickly discovering that Zelda's doing more than just interacting with the temples. There's a there's a whole uh, section of of side quests where you're you're working for the basically you're Spider Man in the Daily Bugle. <laughs> you're uh, you're working as a reporter and you're working with um, one of the reporters to 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 investigate a bunch of stories about about Princess Zelda, and and even then. Like the characters are like, okay, it it looks like Zelda, but it's probably not Zelda. But they don't like outright say it. They just they just like the evidence points to Zelda would maybe do this, but probably not. You know, she's definitely not evil. Which then that makes me think like what impressions or things happened with these people and Zelda in the past that they think that she would ever be capable of like unleashing a giant beast on a village. <laughs> like why would she do that? Well, they're <laughs> giving her the benefit of the doubt, right? There's a there's a line I think where and I'm joking obviously, but there's a line in the game where um I think it's the water temple and he says like I know I saw Zelda and I know Zelda unleashed the monster and maybe she has a good reason for it. I'm like Dude, you are hurting. Like you, you're in here, like almost dying, and you're you're still like maybe Zelda had a reason for doing this. And and you're right. Like some of the characters are kind of like uh, they're they are they're not they're not realizing like okay, this probably isn't the Zelda we know, right? At the very least. So it's 
it's hard to say. I'm not I'm not that far, but you're right. Like in terms of story, I think they leave a lot of stuff sort of unanswered and vague, even if it goes against like a character being able to like, well, what if we had what if we just explained it? You know, what if the character link explained it? Um, I think they leave it intentionally vague because it's such a big world. And this is not a defense, but it's such a big world that you could be coming across this temple tens of hours after the last one in which like having that same interaction happen again isn't isn't as big a a hit like my time between the first two temples was was spread apart quite a bit and i didn't it didn't bother me as much but like doing two temples back to back it was kind of like wait a minute we just did this and we easily could have like been prepared for the giant monster we were going to fight twice you know uh, yeah, and so I think that's probably why it was a little bit jarring for me, because like I said, I was very aware of the mistake that I made in Breath of the Wild, which was kind of like chasing down the wrong main quest line and thinking it was more important than it actually was. Um, and then so basically in this one, I was like, OK, I'm going to do the best I can to stick to like the main like quest that's obviously showing me where the temples are, where I got to go. Um so I'm going to try to stick to that one as closely as possible and, and, you know, just do a couple of diversions when I'm like almost like directed to. So like there were a couple times where it was like, Hey, this thing's happening at this stable. You should probably go there or look out landing, which is the first main like kind of quest hub that you come across in the game. Uh, Lookout landing is trying to get a survey team to go down into the caverns. Like you should probably go and check it out. So like when I got those kind of breadcrumbs, I would go and follow them. But for the most part, I stayed with the temples, which meant that like I did the temple stuff like back to back to back. So I did the wind temple. Then I went to the water temple and unlocked it. But then things are one shotting me so I was like okay maybe this is actually the wrong order because these enemies are way way stronger so I did a whole bunch of shrines as I made my way over to the fire temple and then I was able to complete that one so I did basically like three temple unlockings and two temple completions back to back to back to back and I was like oh my god like they didn't even try like did this happen during the writer's strike like what happened So it just like it felt so incredibly recycled. And I was like, you don't have that much story in a Zelda game to start with. And then when you're just recycling the same thing over and over again, it's to me, it was glaringly obvious. And like, I don't want to harp on it necessarily too much. We probably already have at this point. But um, yeah, it did feel a little bit like that you could have tried a bit harder. But the memories and that storytelling of like the past where Zelda is, is really really interesting to me so i think i did that they did a good job with that section but in terms of like the world itself and I'm, I'm glad that they did that past world building because i have the exact same problem shouldn't surprise anyone like this is a very uh true to the original sequel i'll put it that way like if you didn't like breath of the wild you're not gonna like tears of the kingdom because for the vast majority they have the same mechanics like the combat's the same your weapons break your you know climbing cliffs in when it's raining really sucks the world is the same but only bigger now um they have like i mentioned the caverns below the surface area and the sky which um to me i think that they did because they added building into the game so you can build machines like you can build like carts and rockets and you can fly around and you could do all kinds of stuff so i feel like they had to make the world bigger to 
kind of accommodate the building that you can do in the game, which for people like me who don't really resonate with the building that much, I feel like the world is just much, 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 much too big. Like they could have made it half as big and I would have been happy. Like, I don't think you would have lost a lot because it has the same problem as Breath of the Wild for me, where it just feels too big and too empty. Yeah, no, I mean, it is it is quite large. And I think there are moments um, like I, I liked Breath of the Wild. But like you, I had I came to the realization like it would, it would come to my brain of like, oh, man, this is just too big when I'm uh, exploring a new area. I don't have the horse, but even if I do have a horse, it's still quite a ways. Or if you're stuck climbing and it rains or you, you uh, you're climbing something that's too tall, and you don't have enough stamina. Like it's those moments of like, ah, it would just be more fun if it wasn't so big or if I didn't have to climb this giant mountain. I think that um, some of the some of the stuff they do to address like the concerns, because I know folks in Discord are going to they're going to like, oh, but they fix that issue with Breath of the Wild with this. But like every time they they fix something and I know Jocelyn's going to jump in on this, they fix it with a Breath of the Wild mechanic. So, for example, I'll use climbing as an example. They say, oh, well, you can't climb when it's wet. You know, it's slippery. That's annoying. And it is. But there is a mechanic where you can unlock the, I guess it's like a frog suit. There's armor. Yeah. Yeah. Frog armor. And it reduces your, uh, this, the, the slip, (laughs) you slipping, uh, but you have to earn it. You have to do a bunch of those like reporter quests we talked about, you know, which is again, doing more breath of the wild stuff so that you can avoid one of the things you hated about breath of the wild. That's a lot of work. You know, It, it addresses the concern for sure. But while you're addressing that concern, you're going to be coming up against a lot of the stuff you didn't like. So it's not necessarily like a a solution if you didn't if you really didn't like that stuff in Breath of the Wild, even if it is like eventually mitigating that specific issue of of climbing in the rain. Like it, 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 I think it still is a bullet point of like it's annoying <laughs> when it happens. You just have to wait for yeah. the rain to stop, basically still. Yeah, exactly. And I think they made some things better. So one of the other new powers that you get in um, Tears of the Kingdom is the Ascension power. And oh my god, Ryan, I forget that I have this all the time. But with the falling shrine pieces, or I guess they're not shrine pieces, the falling kingdom pieces, the stuff from up in the sky in a lot of cases have become lodged in the sides of mountains and stuff. So you can like run up underneath them, ascend, and you've done a bunch of climbing too. So there is that it's mitigated in that way as well. But once you ascend to the top, if it's raining, you still run into the same breath of the wild problem. Um, And you just have to sit there and wait and hope (laughs) that you're not waiting like all day (laughs) for the rain to to go away. But um, yeah, the ascension power is something I forget I have all the time. I got into the one area in the well or the aqueduct or whatever underneath the Gerudo area where you're trying to get into like the secret women only room. Uh, I wish someone had just talked to the guard at the door and been like, Hey, remember this guy? He like saved us or whatever. It's all good. He can come in whenever. Uh, But they didn't. So you have to find your way around and in. Um, And like, Oh my God, Ryan, I spent so much time. I tried to do so many things. I tried to, to build things, to merge things, to, to jump and climb and like, break those bottles that some woman is sending down the well like I did I tried so many things to try to get up that that well into the main uh area and then finally I was just like 
oh my god, I literally have a power that can just put me up through the roof. Damn it! Uh. <laughs> it took me so like probably forty five minutes of trying different things to try to get into that place, and I couldn't. I was like building stuff, <laughs> like with all the the things <laughs> I had in my inventory, trying to like build a machine, and then I was like, oh man, I could just hit one button, and this could have been over with so much long, so long ago. Well, that specific moment actually was an interesting one because the game. I think we are so our brain is so trained from the last seven years of just Breath of the Wild never leaving sort of the video game sphere of discussions because like it kept popping up through either smart Nintendo marketing or other experiences like, say, announcing a sequel. So my brain's been so trained to Breath of the Wild that now with Tears of the Kingdom, you're right, like I often forget we have a whole new set of powers, which are frankly way more powerful than what we had in breath of the wild like you can do so much with this stuff and that specific puzzle you're talking about like you sometimes forget like oh wait i can just use ultra hand see everything that i can interact with in the world and immediately tell that all i have to do is push this block off of the entry point and then i can jump down into that area you know and you wouldn't have known that unless you're in the throne room and happen to you know, turn on your, your ultra hand or notice like, Hey, that, that lid heavy lid thing is slightly ajar, which you've never would have been able to move it in the first game because it's stone. It's not, I think the only thing you do is move metal stuff with the, with with the magnet power, right? Yeah. It was very specific. Yeah. 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 So like, there's all these ways of solving a puzzle to the point where sometimes you feel like you're cheating the game a little bit because there was one it's in the desert area as well. And it's like the shrine is surrounded by like um, it's not quicksand, but it's like moving sand. So you have to kind of navigate it or or else you lose all your stamina and then you you go back to the starting point. But there's a bunch of these like little uh, blocks throughout the the moving sand. Um, and I'm like, OK, how am I going to get through this? Then I realize, wait a minute, I can attach a rocket to my shield, go up and then just glide past all of it. And it saves you like the hour, half hour of trying to troubleshoot it. And it's like, nope, just use a rocket on my shield. Good to go. I did a very, very similar thing in the fire area because it's Death Mountain, which it Mm -hmm. always is. So I don't feel like that's too much of a spoiler. Um, And there's like this whole like mine sequence you can go through and like everything else. Like I basically got to the start of the cave, did like one little thing. And I was like, this sucks. And then so uh, one thing that I did this time that I didn't do in Breath of the Wild was I sunk a whole bunch of my like shrine um, credit (laughs) into stamina instead of health. So I think I did three stamina upgrades before I started upgrading my hearts. And so I just climbed the outside of Death Mountain (laughs) and it took me like, it did take some time. It probably took me like 10 or 15 minutes, but I just climbed death mountain and didn't do any of the puzzles leading up to the fire temple i just climbed the outside of the mountain and then was like okay i'm here now what (laughs) hey you could do it right so i mean there's nothing there's less getting in the way uh of link this time around when you're trying to solve puzzles like they they present you with sort of the idea of like okay what if you don't have a rocket you can put on your shield you can solve the puzzle that way Um, Or you can just, you know, go into the sky and then float over. And obviously the shrines um, put a lot more uh, locks on what you can use. 
So the shrines force you to do the puzzle they've set up, but even then you can find ways to build contraptions that kind of like change the way you can solve it, you know, and, and no one, someone might solve it completely different than you uh, with the shrines. But I find that like the outside of those shrines and solving those puzzles, it's, you can do whatever you want. You know, if you really do want to climb death mountain, listen to a good podcast on your way up. Uh, that's fine. You know, <laughs> That is the thing you could do. Absolutely. And I find like I've been, quote unquote, solving a lot of the open world puzzles in the same way as just brute force climbing my way to where I've got to be. It's like, hmm, it seems like you have put obstacles in my way. I choose to go the other way and just climb. <laughs> yeah, I do like solving the puzzles with the new powers. Uh, like I find that building stuff like I'm not building stuff like I think the original trailer was like, you can build a boat. And it's like, yeah, I could, but I'm I can honestly probably build something that gets me higher up and then I can sort of float over. But sometimes I do enjoy, you know, I do enjoy the shrines that kind of force you to use the the proposed solution, which is to like build some sort of device. Like I think the one I did more recently was like there was a it was a rails system and you had to kind of build sort of a platform that would fit the rail. So you you did like sort of like a surfboard thing where you had uh, a piece of the wood that would go between the rails so your your platform wouldn't fall off. But then like the second part of the shrine was like there are multiple rails that you have to transfer. So you're going from two rail system to one. So you had to build like three fins on the board to make sure that you could keep going as you propel forward and and like that instance is like, OK, you have to use the pieces that are that are given to you to solve the problem uh, because the shrines aren't climbable. You can't climb the material. You can only climb sort of what what you build there and you aren't able to summon a rocket. You you are stuck with what's in that shrine. So I do enjoy those moments where you're kind of forced to use the mechanics they've set up. Um, but I think like if I find too many shrines and I'm doing too many puzzles in a row, I'm like, hi. Kind of want to do something different. Like, I think there was a moment where I did too many shrines in a row. And I'm like, ah, get me to something else. I'm done with shrines for now. And I know there's so much else to do that I, I don't fault the game for it. But uh, well, yeah. and that's kind of like one thing I did want to talk about is like the shrines versus the divine beasts from the first game and the shrines with the kind of like revamped, revisited temples in this game, because they're a little more temple, a little less divine beast, but the shrines still play a big part because that's where you get all of your kind of player power from. So that's where you get your stamina and your heart upgrades. And it's really hard to go and do the temples if you haven't done those things, if you haven't gone through the shrines. I still have the same feelings about shrines from, you know, Breath of the Wild as I did or I have the same feelings about Tears of the Kingdom as I did with Breath of the Wild. I'm not a fan of shrines. I like when you have kind of like larger temples that are very thematic that, you know, like I, I like the lock and key model where it's like you can't get into XYZ to like you can't go to the water temple because you need the fire arrows to melt the ice or whatever. You know, like I like that lock and key Zelda model um, much more than I like the randomly explore and open world style of Zelda. So um 
you know, I'm still not a huge fan of the shrines and they definitely have the problem. I think that you just illustrated Ryan, where if you do too many of them in a row, you might feel like you have to, which I definitely did as well. When I went to the water temple and things are one shotting me, I'm like, well, I guess five hearts isn't enough. I'm going to have to go and do a whole bunch of shrines and try to build up my power uh, or find some armor or whatever. Um, But basically I was just like, man, okay, I'm going to have to go and do a bunch of shrines. So I did like, eight or 10 in a row. And I was like, oh, they're just all so different. And they're so spread out. And, you know, like I had basically been just running by them, unlocking fast travel and keep going. uh, Because I really don't enjoy doing them. But I got to a point where I kind of had to and then I did a whole bunch in a row. And it just like solidified how much I really don't like them. I would much rather have bigger temples or more temples that just had a whole bunch of puzzles all together in them because I get such a sense of like achievement and accomplishment from finishing a big temple like that like the water temple in Ocarina of Time like that was a thing Mm. we still talk about it (laughs) we still talk about it exactly and I don't feel like um, any of the divine beasts or the temples now in Tears of the Kingdom are nearly as memorable as some of those like larger, more thematic um, sets of puzzles that we saw in previous Zelda games. So, I mean, like I think they did a better job here. So you can basically still do the puzzles in any order, um, at least in the two temples that I've done. But um, they're a little bit bigger and feel a little bit more traditional as opposed to the other ones. Although I still don't think that there's enough enemies. I still don't think there's enough puzzles, Um, but you know, it's getting better. I think tears of the kingdom temples are better than breath of the wild divine beasts in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, The desert one I thought was the most, the closest to a traditional Zelda where you are, you are in, in a confined space. There are multiple floors. You're having to solve puzzles on, on multiple floors. Okay, the, the fire one is very similar to that as well. Okay, I good. know that's the one you haven't done yet, but yeah, the fire the fire one I think is the biggest of all of them. Yeah, and I think the wind one was more closer to the divine beast, where it was literally a, a like a flying thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, well, I guess the water one was too. Like a, a lot of the stuff is spread out because obviously because this is the same map as Breath of the Wild, they do kind of have to remove the new stuff from the old stuff. So for example, like move it into the sky or move it underground or have it just appear out of nowhere sometimes. Um, it, oh, we didn't know this was here a couple of years ago, which which was, we don't know the time frame between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, but there's certainly a bit of a time jump. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked the desert temple. I felt like it was the the closest thing to sort of addressing the criticism from Breath of the Wild and that the Divine Beast just didn't feel Zelda enough. Uh, but you're right. Like, they don't come right up to what we got in, you know, Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess. It's it's not finding keys and specific items to, to be able to progress through uh, roadblocks. But um, the desert one was very close to that, where you're solving puzzles uh, to to progress further and there's still only four of them as well, um, as opposed to some of the previous Zeldas that had, you know, like six sages, so six temples, plus, you know, you might have some other stuff earlier on, like an Ocarina of Time. Like, I 
it still feels like um, the world, because you've got your four kind of points of interest, like Zora's Domain and Death Mountain and the desert. And then, you know, they've added the Ritos. And, and so their area is is different uh, and new. But, um, you know, you've got those kind of four points of interest. But there's so much more of the map in the world. And yes, you can go explore it. And there's shrines there and there's side quests. But um, it feels like those points of interest make the world small <laughs> almost it's like you the game is focused into those areas to the point that like you don't even really have to go to some of those other places and that's a little bit unfortunate because like you built this big huge giant world and you know there's a possible you know you could have a, a shadow or a spirit temple and a light temple and a time temple like there's all kinds of things you could do and it seems almost a little bit like this big huge world is wasted a little because you've only got these four temples or divine beasts you know so they do stick to again they stick to breath of the wild so if you didn't like it then you're not gonna like it now um but yeah i, I feel like it's a little bit of like a missed opportunity almost but um i mean i'm still enjoying it. and i feel like because i'm presenting like a lot of the issues that i have with the game I, it's going to be very similar to the breath of the wild commentary right like it's not a bad game i'm still glad that i'm playing a zelda title like the alternative is no zelda and boo that sucks i mean i think it's still a solid like eight eight and a half out of ten it's just like i really feel like there are some some kind of serious problems and one of the ones i'm not going to harp on it too much but one of the ones absolutely is your weapons breaking i freaking hate that <laughs> It sucks. Like, I feel like I'm doing the exact same thing that I did in Breath of the Wild, which is like using all my little crappy weapons that I can't even remember the name of because they break so quickly and like saving things that I feel like might be more powerful, like the wands that you get off of the wizards or um, the like you get uh, horns and things that that's one of the new things in, in this game is that you can actually merge pieces to your weapons to make them more powerful which is also something i didn't realize when fighting the big huge boss in the fire temple like that thing took me like 15 20 minutes because i was using weapons that were doing like five and six damage so like i was bringing its health down so slowly and i got it down to like it felt like two percent like it had so little health but all my weapons had broken and I was like, okay, what have I got in my arsenal that is maybe potentially going to do this last bit of damage to this guy? And I blew myself up. <laughs> because when you, as in other previous Zelda games, but I had totally forgotten, when you bring a bomb out in the super hot temperature, it immediately explodes. So uh -huh. I tried to put a bomb on my arrow and it blew up in my face and I died. And I was like, oh my God, that's 20 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. But a moment but, you'll remember forever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be iconic. And the GIS gamer is down. <laughs> like, it, it, it's that kind of a moment. I definitely am not going to forget it. But then I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way. I'm like, I literally Googled. I'm like, how do you get better weapons in Breath of the or in Tears of the Kingdom? And it's literally merging either gems or horns or like other monster parts or whatever to your weapons really like increases it. And I keep calling it merging, but it's the fuse power. It's the bottom power in your wheel. 
And uh, so it's very much like the way to improve things. But then at the same time, I've only got like, say, five of the horns from the most powerful like enemies. And so I'm like, okay, well, what weapon do I murder? Do I fuse that with? And, you know, I'm only going to get 10 swings out of it before it's destroyed and then the fused horn is destroyed the weapon underneath it is destroyed and i don't have the master sword so which again is an iconic zelda thing and i'm just like why 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 i i just i absolutely hate i wish that they had some sort of like difficulty setting where it's like you can play the game with weapon breaking or you can play the game without weapon breaking and that's up to you (laughs) like because i just like it's such a terrible mechanic because i save these things forever and don't use them and then you know if i do use them they're gone forever and i'm just like man the neither scenario feels good to me yeah now the weapon breaking is one of those and and this is the thing like i the fusing still hasn't solved it for me because i feel uh and this is a me problem but i feel weird like oh i've got this normal sword but on the end of it is like a giant rock and uh while I don't mind a rock or a lizard tail or like <laughs> something really weird, <laughs> it just feels we- it just doesn't look right. Like it's not traditional Zelda. Like it, this is something that a lot of folks have pointed out is like, there's a reason the key art for tears of the kingdom is like link up on the Island with his normal shield and his normal sword and his normal bow. He doesn't have like a giant box stuck to a sword and a giant bomb stuck to his shield, which you can do. You can fuse a bomb to your shield and there's like a legit reason to do that. It's just uh, like, I know it's a moment like in the game. You have to do it in order to, you know, succeed and, and keep your weapons around longer. And I, I know in discord folks were talking about how you can improve the durability of a weapon by by fusing specific materials with it. Uh, I think even monster parts, some folks were talking about. Like, there's stuff in there. Yeah, so, like, all the different parts are going to have different, like, um, proper are going to add different properties to your weapons, and that's oh. fine. And, and fusing anything will, you know, make the weapon a little bit stronger, but still, absolutely everything breaks. There is, as far as I know, nothing I've come across yet that makes something indestructible. So that's another thing. I would definitely go and farm monsters if their horns made my weapons indestructible. I would go and do that and take that time. But I haven't found that yet. I don't think that exists. So, you know, like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, man, oh man, I wish that they, like, it's, they've partially addressed it, but not to the point of, you know, taking the criticism and removing it or giving players options to really get around it. So, I mean, it's still, like I say, I, when you only have a limited supply of the thing that makes your weapon awesome, like, so when I went into that boss fight again, I took like four or five weapons and fused like the best stuff I had to those weapons. And then now I've got all those weapons are broken. And I was just like, oh man, now I got to go like figure something else out for my next major boss fight, which is, you know, it's fine. I guess if you like doing all of those little ad fights in order to, you know, farm materials, like if that's the kind of game you want to play, awesome. It's not really mine. I'd rather have my master sword and power it up over time or, you know, whatever other pieces of cool stuff you're going to give me, like boomerangs or or different arrows or whatever. Cool. But I don't know. There just seems like a lot of farming and collecting in this game. Again, kind of like MMO type mechanics in this game or RPG, whatever, however you want to think of it. But 
a lot of those kind of like farming gathering mechanics that I just like, that's not what I want out of my Zelda game. Like I want to go play Zelda. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, talking about early game stuff in the master sword, I was really ho- like, I, I, I understood that they had to do the Metroid thing of like removing all of your power at the beginning of the game. I mean, they didn't have to, but, but it makes sense to have that reset as a, as a sequel, you know, Nintendo is the, you know, they're sort of the king of, uh, of resetting their, their uh their main character's abilities every game and uh they do that here as well but i was kind of hoping like oh maybe we'll get to keep the master sword and we'll be able to do like as you were saying like some fetch quest type stuff to slowly power it throughout the game but i mean as far as i've seen it just kind of vanishes and you don't you don't have i'm sure there's a way to get it back of course but um it for me it's gone and i was kind of hoping that would be an early game mechanic of like similar to um being able to put the the motes of light into your hearts and stamina you could maybe use it to power up the master sword because like with your breakable weapons there's two there's a couple key issues there that that could be fixed easily like one is that when a weapon breaks you don't automatically equip the next one it's just you get that funny link emote of like oh i don't have a weapon and it's like but you do. You have like you have five or six swords. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, for accessibility reasons, I wish they would just automatically switch to the next weapon. And then, yes, oh, I don't want to use this boomerang. I want to use something else. Then make me switch it. But like make that an option in the settings of like from an accessibility standpoint, like an approachability standpoint, you know, have it so that it automatically switches to the next weapon. And then give me the funny animation as I'm about to die if I have no weapons. Because then that's yeah. even funnier, you know? It's like, oh, I didn't prepare. I made this funny emote where I don't have a weapon, and now I'm getting <laughs> one-shotted by this uh, this sand laser or something. It's, you know, it's easy for me to say that after playing the game, but I feel like in testing, something like that must have been said, you know? Uh, it, it is unfortunate that they haven't gone a little bit further to like, and they don't have to remove weapon breaking. They don't even have to put a toggle in for it. You can keep it in there, but you can make it a little bit easier to um, switch to the next weapon. Or, you know, you shouldn't have to have, you know, 20 amiibos that you scan every day to get a bunch of weapons. Cause that's what I've been doing is I've, every day before I start my session, I'm like, all right, let's scan all these amiibos. Now I have a whole new bunch of shields, bows and swords. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Oh, man, I haven't even been doing that. I keep forgetting to scan my amiibos to see what's in them. But I mean, and two, like the other thing, it's really funny that you're talking about like weapons and and feedback and things that they hopefully got out of Breath of the Wild. I feel like everyone was talking about weapon breaking and how the weapons didn't feel uh, iconic or important or anything like that. And then so in this one, you don't even get a weapon for finishing a temple. Like at least in Breath of the Wild, like you would finish a thing and then like you got like the Zora staff or whatever. And then it would break, but at least you got it. Like they, they were just like, oh, oh, okay. So you don't like your iconic weapons breaking? No iconic weapons for you then. Suck it. <laughs> yeah, that felt like some very specific uh, uh, reaction to feedback of like, well, if you don't want yeah, them breaking. Yeah, very, very specific interpretation of the text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I there there are moments like that. And, and I was thinking a lot over the last week because again, Joss and I have, discuss this over discord as we've been playing the game and and you had said you know uh, how you prefer traditional zelda and and i really do enjoy traditional zelda i didn't need 
Breath of the Wild to change it up so much for me to come back to the Zelda franchise. I recognize looking at the news that like selling 10 million copies on day one does a lot for, you know, putting a check in the pro column for changing up the formula. But I, I still prefer, I still like and prefer traditional Zelda, but I'm happy to play Tears of the Kingdom. I am enjoying it. But like, I know you really love the Legend of Zelda, Jocelyn. And I tried to think of it as like, well, what if my favorite franchise, like super duper favorite, if they changed it, it would be a problem. Like, and they changed it to a genre or a a setup that I didn't like, like that would be frustrating. That would be very frustrating and would be a bit deflating to know, like, we might not like if they did like a mind, like a sudden, I'm trying to think of it. I was trying to think of an example, but I think like, well, what if they made Mario into Minecraft? Well, that's a perfect example. I would hate that. And I would probably never play traditional Mario again. Again, like I think Mario is, is a game that they changed the formula with each one. Like we haven't got, mario 64 um two we always get something a little bit different but not to the not to the scale that we've seen with the shift from skyward sword to breath of the breath of the wild you know and i agree with you there like that would be that would be really tough for me you know like I, i that would be really tough so i definitely understand your feelings from from that side of of it all because again like i i feel bad like man if you're not enjoying Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom and you love The Legend of Zelda, like that stinks, you know, like that's 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 unfortunate. And uh, Nintendo, at least over the last 10 years, hasn't been keeping up with their normal progress of the Zelda franchise where they kind of alternate, you know, they kind of do a 3D one then a 2D one. Um, Whereas I know now they've they've done mostly remakes. They've done remakes and remasters in between their big Zelda games. And it feels like, and maybe it's just because, like, I didn't absolutely love Breath of the Wild. Like, I thought it was good. And and same with uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I think it's good. And I'm going to, you know, enjoy my time in Zelda while I have it. But it feels like it's been so long now since I've actually played a Zelda that I really, really, really love. Like, Twilight Princess was the last one that I really, really, really loved. Skyward Sword was fine, but I didn't like how gimmicky and central the motion controls were in skyward sword and then you know we've got breath of the wild and and tears of the kingdom which again not a fan of some of the choices that they've made it doesn't mean they're bad games by any stretch of the imagination i'm just being uh, i think a little bit more critical as somebody who really liked the old school style zelda games so you know like i do think that there's a lot to be said for the amount of exploration and discovery that you have in this game because i know that that's a criticism that's been like levied against some of the zeldas that i really liked is that you know you kind of lost a little bit of the like super super versed original zeldas was you know it was all about exploration and finding caves and new pathways and you know all that kind of stuff and some of the like lock and key zeldas didn't necessarily have that as much um so if you what you like to do is explore every little nook and cranny of this world you can do that for probably a thousand hours and still not find everything that exists in tears of the kingdom which for some people is exactly what they want to do it's just not exactly what i want to do so obviously as with every game review on gamers in like this is my opinion it's not necessarily shared by everyone um i just get super frustrated and i did with breath of the wild as well all of these different outlets and all of these people saying 10 out of 10 perfect 100 percent 
great game. And then it's like they write articles that have like a lot of the same criticisms that I levy against the game. It's like, oh, 10 out of 10 game, but I really wish this didn't exist. Then it's not a perfect game. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, I think overall... Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, they're great games. Like they're they're fine. I like they are a Zelda experience and I'm glad that Nintendo is trying new things. They try new things with the Zelda franchise all the freaking time. So, you know, like I'm just hoping that they maybe condense the world down a little bit more uh, back to some of the older style Zelda games where, you know, you have thematic temples, you have more temples, you have big rewards at the end that give you a sense of accomplishment. Because I think I've, I've kind of missed that in these last two entries into the Zelda franchise. Again, doesn't mean they're bad, just means I've enjoyed others more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, I know there's news out there that like, basically, the producer has said, you know, the Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom formula is, is what we're going to stick with going forward. I mean, you don't sell 10 million copies and then try to go back. Uh, but I, I, there there are many ways you can incorporate more traditional Zelda stuff, like you said. And we've seen that with the the move from Divine Beasts to Temples. Like, go a little bit further and you can you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, I think that there's a really excellent, like possibly 10 out of 10 game that doesn't have to depart too far from Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I think that there are just a couple of things that they could tweak, not even fully change. I think there's just a couple of things they could tweak and you could have like my favorite Zelda game ever. Um, It just feels like, especially with the, you know, um, things that were said about Breath of the Wild and the choices they chose to make make or not make in Tears of the Kingdom really make me um, apprehensive about the future of Zelda because I'm just like, man, you're so close. You're so close. You don't even have to change that much. Just, you know, make an option here, make a tiny change over there, and you could have something really awesome. So we'll have to see how things how things go. And I mean, we're going to be years and years out from uh, the next Zelda, whatever that, like, it's going to be on the Switch 2 or whatever the new console is for Nintendo. So we have a long, long time, and I hope that Nintendo is kind of open to some feedback and maybe make some tweaks and changes that make it appeal a little bit more to a more traditional Zelda player like me versus, you know, people who really love Breath of the Wild. Like, I don't, if people love Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, and I know a lot of people do, um, like, I don't want to take that away from you by any stretch of the imagination. I just want a couple of little tweaks to be made in order to, you know, make me like it a little bit more. Like I say, I I think there is a really truly excellent game so close to breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom that doesn't have to go too far back um but anyways yeah so that's that's my thoughts i think that because tears of the kingdom was such a um I guess, closely replicated Breath of the Wild, like such a a true sequel that basically everything I had to say about Breath of the Wild, I was going to say again about Tears of the Kingdom. But uh, they're both good games. And I think that, you know, if you like Zelda and if you like open worlds and stuff like that, and if you like exploration, then absolutely pick them up. But uh, yeah, I think overall they're, 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 they're decent. They're fine. I'm glad I'm playing Zelda again. Yeah. It's good to be back with uh, The Legend of Zelda and we get these games so uh, infrequently. Yeah, so infrequently that we are waiting five plus years for the next new experience. And of course, Nintendo fills in the gaps with, as I said, remakes and and remasters. But 
it's not the same as playing like a brand new Zelda, you know, so we get these so rarely that um, I think it makes sense to to kind of look at the stuff that's really good and look at the stuff that can be improve, improved upon because we do want to love it in all in all that it has to offer because we wait so long for them to come out. You know, the fact that we're sitting here like, yeah, the next new Zelda experience we talk about will likely be another five years from now. A lot is going to happen in five years. Uh, so it's going to be a wait for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's not make you guys wait for the news any longer. Uh, We wanted to first say a very big thank you to our May patron, Tyson. Thank you so much for supporting The Gamers In. If you want your name here, head on over to patreon.com slash The Gamers In to support the show. Also wanted to let everybody know that TGI Game Club is returning with Psychonauts 2 at some point this summer. So we're going to have some more details on that soon. Uh, There's also a game discussions forum. So we've updated the Discord to let you guys have a little bit more freedom for conversation around some of the new stuff that's come out there is a tears of the kingdom post and all you do still have to mark your spoilers but uh you can go into the game discussions forum if you did want to uh, get in on the conversation outside of the general game discussion like normal discord flies by at a mile a minute (laughs) type stuff so there's actually forums there now if you want to start talking about tears of the kingdom so don't miss out That brings us to the news this week. So, uh, Ryan, you've got some details on the something. I have no idea what this is. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) the the Asus uh, ROG Ally, which is this new handheld PC device that has been. okay. I was like all of these words. I'm like, I know Asus, Uh but everything else. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. Ryan, you just have to take this story. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. So, I mean. The idea here is that the the Steam Deck has um, obviously there have been handheld PCs before, but I think the Steam Deck really brought it to uh, you know the mass market conversation. You know, it's it's now less of like a hobbyist conversation and more like okay, I think you know maybe not on par with the Switch, but we're getting closer to like. But this is a way that we could play games. We could see ourselves playing games. Exactly. You know, now now folks can understand like oh, a handheld PC. I get it. Like the Steam Deck. And uh, so essentially here, this this uh, this new one from Asus, um, it's a little pricier. It's nine hundred dollars Canadian, but offers true Windows handheld. So it is Windows 11 out of the box, uh, supports Xbox uh, Game Pass uh, and will launch with a with a new chipset and um, a 1080p screen, which is a little bit of a bump from what the Steam Deck offers, which is just over 720p. So, you know, it's a more advanced piece of tech, but it's definitely targeting, I think, more uh, enthusiast uh, gamers who um, want a little more power uh, behind their games. And it's not exclusively tied to Steam. You can install Steam on this thing. I was going to say, it's not exclusively um, Xbox like Game Pass or the Xbox model either, right? Like it's no. just a PC, which means you can do Steam and I see the article says Epic and Battle.net, Ubisoft, like basically anything that your PC can do, this can do. So it's not really like, and I know you can kind of get around Steam on the Steam Deck and have a bit more of like a PC kind of interface, but it doesn't seem to have the kind of cross-platform support that this one seems to. Yeah, uh, well, the Steam Deck has like Windows 11 support that you can install, but it's like it's not 
uh, it, it's uh, you have to jump through hoops to do it. And and I mean, if you're tech savvy, I have not done it. I, I probably have no interest in doing it while it's still in sort of like a you can do it if you want type phase. Uh, but yes, you can have Windows 10 slash 11 run on your Steam Deck. There are drivers specific to to allow games to work on that. And then you can run, you know, controller uh controller supported games uh from from other launchers and there are ways to do it within the steam os as well uh but it's it's linux based right but you know i think the the really important part here with the asus rog ally is that the work being done to make that device work which is windows 11 with a specific sort of uh, there's talk that they're going to have like a specific skew of windows 11 that is more geared towards these handheld pcs Microsoft can then go work with Valve to have the Steam Deck support that as well. You know, um, Valve's sort of approach to the Steam Deck was to be like, let's make this as simple as possible for Steam uh, users to load their library up, but not lock down the fact uh, that you can't. Let's not, not lock other options for running stuff. Let's make it Windows compatible for those that want to install Windows. But it's not a it's not a seamless thing. I don't even know if you can dual boot uh, both Steam OS and Windows 11, which would be a big thing for me. Like, I don't yeah. think that you can, um, yeah, if I remember the articles that I read correctly, because I did do a lot of kind of Steam Deck research. And I'm kind of glad I haven't actually pulled the the trigger on the Steam Deck yet, because this seems a lot more compelling because I exist on so many platforms and I have so much going on. Like I would love access to my Game Pass, but also my Steam, like that's huge. And then especially when they've got Battle.net on here too, because then as soon as I see Battle.net and Portable, I'm like, oh my God, Hearthstone, this is another place I can go and play Hearthstone. So I think that um, like I have less interest in like the Epic Store and, and a lot of other stuff, but even like EA Play, that's where my Sims live. So, you know, like that's the kind of thing, like those kind of smaller or I guess like slower experiences are the things I'd love to do. If I could just like sit in the car and build a house in Sims, like that would be awesome. Um, so I think that this is this is very compelling. Do we have a release date on this? Uh, for some reason, I feel like it's, june uh and now i'm like looking at the best buy so this is the cool thing is that it's actually launching in canada as well there is like a pre usually for this stuff like there's a pre-order page in the states and like we just have to wait but uh it's actually releasing june 13th so just in a couple weeks actually so i love that i had no idea what this was like 10 minutes ago and now i'm like um i need this <laughs> Look, you have money saved. You didn't buy the Tears of the Kingdom Collector's Edition. Mine is currently being used to uh, put Amiibos on while I scan them each day. Um, still happy I got it, but I know it's it's a big box that is not being used at this moment. But yeah, <laughs> you saved some money there. You got some money saved up, so you could probably... Like, this is more expensive than the, than the most expensive Steam Deck. But we have to also understand that the Steam Deck is subsidized by the fact that a lot of people buy games on, on Steam. So Valve takes a cut on um, takes a price hit on their hardware because they're making up for it with exclusive software that runs the best on the Steam Deck out of the box. You can install Windows, but we all know that what comes in the box is what a majority of consumers are going to uh, going to use. Uh, but I really do feel that at this time, having not had my hands on the on the Asus ROG Ally, like. I think the Steam Deck's still like the better bet, but the work being done with Asus and Windows 
is only going to benefit other handheld PCs like the Steam Deck because Microsoft is having to do work to make it work, you know? So I hope we see more Windows improvements on Steam Deck because uh, Windows is working directly with with Asus on this. Uh, So yeah, and I haven't really looked into running Windows on the Steam Deck, but I know it's not. It's probably just a bit outside of my uh, comfort level because I do like what works on the Steam Deck. I'm good with that. I've got lots to do there. Well, yeah, I think if you already had a Steam Deck, then that would be something that you would um, like. You wouldn't necessarily need to invest in something else. I'm looking at this as someone who hasn't actually pulled the trigger on the Steam Deck yet, and going, "Hmm, this competitor is actually compelling, even with a, a little bit of a higher price tag." So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. I might, I might get this, and then we can do uh, comparisons. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that sounds great. I would, I would love to know more about. Uh... About the Aces ROG Ally, I know there are hands-on uh, reviews and impressions, but I I want to I'd love to get a sense from like ha- in the hands of consumers and how, how they feel about it in terms of usability. Because like Linus Tech Tips using it, like yeah, he knows how to he knows how to you know work around. Exactly, I'm a dummy. <laughs> if I can use it, <laughs> then anybody can. <laughs> it was the same thing with the Steam Deck for me, like. I- a lot of the a lot of the tech firms were like, "Oh man, this is amazing! This is amazing!" But like, I still wanted in the hands of, you know, consumers and 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 myself to truly understand how it worked. Because honestly, PCs like when you say they're easy, it's like that's usually not the case. Like I'm a console gamer through and through. You put the disc in, you install it, you play it, it's good to go. You know, so to know like how they address sort of the compatibility layer and the issues there and the hardware, it's it's always good to know. So it's not necessarily from like a non-techie perspective, but it's just from a get in the most hands possible. That's when you get the best feedback, obviously. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so we also have a lot of Blizzard news this week. So uh, Microsoft's Activision Blizzard acquisition was approved by EU regulators. Uh, still no word out of the States, but um, I think like, so we're, we're kind of... Uh, moving things forward, I guess. As far as I know, they still haven't been able to appeal the UK decision yet. Um, but I think EU is a big step, right? Because those were kind of the the tent poles, right? It was it was EU, the US, and then the UK. So they've got, you know, one one yes, one no, and uh, I guess the US, the FTC now will break the tie. <laughs> but um, you know, like they're they they could move forward with stuff, but I mean there is the big caveat of uh because the UK had so many problems with it and and didn't allow the deal means that they'd basically have to pull out of the UK and we still haven't heard from Blizzard as to what they're going to do. I guess it will probably depend on the outcome of the appeal when they're actually able to file it in the UK. But I think um, approval by the EU is is a pretty big step in the right direction as far as Microsoft would be concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, alongside that, these sort of stories, uh, China had also approved it. Uh, right. I knew I saw another one that came through this week. Yeah. So China is the other big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a couple steps forward. I th- I think uh, I don't know. I don't know, like regulatory stuff uh, very well, but I would think that like the UK, while not the sm- like very small, but I think it is you have the EU coming out and saying it's fine. I think right now we are just waiting to see what the, the US does. And I think that will push the deal in a specific yay or nay direction right like right now it's still like oh could this what's gonna happen here so like 
Yeah. Yeah. I think if the FTC comes out on the side of Microsoft in this decision, then I think that puts a lot of pressure on the UK when Activision Blizzard slash Microsoft, I guess Microsoft, um, files the appeal. Um, then that's going to put a lot of pressure on the UK to actually say, okay, fine, go ahead. Because I think the UK doesn't end up want to end up being the only ones who are kind of saying no to a deal that's been okayed the rest of the world over, right? So we'll have to see how this goes, uh, and we'll have more updates for you as we kind of progress through this regulatory minefield. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Overwatch 2 news this week is... Uh, Man, just devastating for Blizzard, I think. So uh, essentially, one of the big things that they promised with Overwatch 2 and what they got everybody to get on board with kind of purchasing Overwatch 2 instead of sticking with just Overwatch was that they were going to have this big story PvE mode. uh, And that is no longer. It has been officially scrapped. So basically you had people paying full price for this giant overwatch 2 game that ended up just being the multiplayer pvp and a lot of people are really questioning why uh and you know demanding refunds that are not being given and oh man it's it's kind of a mess and blizzard has enough bad pr right now they don't need this um but yeah i guess they're just kind of hoping people are super stoked for diablo 4 in a couple weeks and not as concerned about Overwatch, like, but this seems like such a terrible decision, yeah. and so like overpromising on Overwatch Two and just failing so hard to deliver. I feel like anyone looking at Diablo at this point, or any pre-order of a big title from Blizzard, has got to be going, "Nah, I'm good, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, well, this news specifically hit me in the sense that like overwatch two was always going to be something I checked out once they had the PVE mode, which was, um, I assume was going to be a paid, uh, addition of content. I mean, overwatch two is free to play, but you can still buy stuff. So like the idea of asking for refunds would just be in the sense of like, yes, I was investing into this product because of the PVE mode that was coming, even though what I'm buying had nothing to do with it it doesn't make it any cleaner of an announcement it still sucks and um is really as you said really bad for the company i don't think it's good at all um because like my big thing for for any game is what's your single player content what's your campaign content co-op or or uh, you know solo but it's got to be there for me to care Oh, okay. So Overwatch 2 has the battle pass and the hero bundles and all that kind of stuff. Okay. I was like, I'm sure, but you're right. It's free. It's free to play uh, with the battle pass caveat. I was like, why is everybody talking about how they've paid so much money for Overwatch 2? I don't understand, but it's the battle pass crap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's and it's related strictly to multiplayer, right? So it's not, but, but I can understand you know, the argument of like, I was investing into this because I was excited about PVE and I want to play it so I can keep playing. It. And uh, I get, I see it. I see the argument. Um, but yeah, like I, this announcement just basically cements the fact that I'm not going to be playing Overwatch 2. Even when uh, I may be in a group chat and thinking everyone's talking about Overwatch 2, but they're actually talking about Overcooked 2. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, they even, like, I'm looking at the Overwatch 
two like store website on Battle.net right now. And like they even do the terrible, terrible thing that I hate where like you have Overwatch coins, like the stuff in the store doesn't even tell me how many dollars it is to get all of these bundles. It's coins. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's just it's and I read a lot of the articles and I've listened to people talk about, you know, why they made the change. And I I. I, I think like I don't want to I don't want to paraphrase because if I paraphrase, this is going to sound bad, but I'll say it. I'll do it anyways. Uh, I think it just came to it was going to be too difficult and it was going to take too long and it would it would impact Overwatch 2's PvP, you know, and, and having to deliver nonstop content for it. Yeah, which makes sense, um, unfortunately. So, I mean, they decided where they wanted to put their money and it wasn't in this PvE mode. And I think, like, I mean, obviously this is, like, super conspiratorial. Like, I don't know anything about anything, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised if decisions like this are why Jeff Kaplan didn't really want to stick around. I know he was really invested in the world of Overwatch and it seems like... um, Blizzard has just decided that that's not where the money is. The money is just in the PvP and the multiplayer, and they don't really give a shit about developing the universe. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at like someone who is super invested. And it's not just, you know, Jeff Kaplan, but there's been a lot of departures um, from the Overwatch team. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was around stuff like this, where like they just loved what they were building so much in the overwatch universe and that's just like the storytelling and the world building is not where blizzard wants to put their focus so i can kind of understand a lot of the departures a whole lot more with the news of um scrapping pve so um it's going to be an interesting blizzcon which is returning this year november 3rd to 4th um i will not be attending (laughs) my due date is october 18th so i am not going to have a baby and two weeks later go to california not happening so um but they are bringing back in-person blizzcon so it'll be interesting to see uh what that is actually going to look like because it's been since 2019 uh so like four years since we've had an in-person blizzcon yeah. Now, speaking of expectations from this company, like do folks who are spending hundreds of dollars to, to go to this event, do they need to adjust expectations and be like, I'm going to see my favorite Blizzard people, whether they be employees or friends or uh, guildmates, and that's the sole reason I'm spending this money. I'm not going to watch big announcements on a uh, on a stage you know like i mean i think so because like really you've got diablo 4 which is coming out before blizzcon um i imagine we we could get the next wow expansion maybe it feels a little bit early still uh dragonflight hasn't been out all that long but uh, we might get a WoW expansion announcement there's going to be a hearthstone expansion announcement obviously they all they always have them um but yeah, there's nothing new coming up for StarCraft, nothing for Overwatch 2, nothing for Diablo. So, I mean, I think if you're looking for big announcements, um, BlizzCon's probably not the place, honestly. Like, you go for the people, not for the content. Um, I think maybe next year might be a big one, but who knows? Um, yeah. They they started to get a little bit formulaic <laughs> when we didn't have much in the other franchises, right? So you'd get like a hero announcement over out of Overwatch, the expansion out of Hearthstone, maybe an expansion out of Warcraft, um, but that was about it. So I mean, I don't necessarily think we're going to get some huge, huge announcements. And you know, if you're not involved in those uh, games and those franchises, then maybe not the thing for you. But you definitely go for the people. Like you go to see your guildmates for sure. Yeah, I mean that was always my understanding of it because if i can spend and it's also 
I also bring it down to the level of like, why would I spend $90 to watch it virtually when I can just read the recap articles? You know, like I, I for me, like that's that's always been BlizzCon is to like experience it through the coverage and, and also folks on Twitter who are tweeting about being there. But I think, yeah, if you're spending the money, it's because you're invested in the franchises, but really you're there to to meet folks that you've been gaming with throughout the year. People, you know, it is somewhat of a, a, a reunion for folks to be like, I can't wait to see you at BlizzCon, you know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's it's very much like a, everybody goes to the one place for the one thing. And it's, it's you know, that it's like a beacon <laughs> for all your geeky friends. And it's, it's an opportunity there. But uh, yeah, other than that, like, I don't think you go for the Blizzard announcements anymore, necessarily. Uh, we had a couple of kind of disappointing BlizzCons. And I think this year is potentially shaping up to be similar. Like if we could have done it last year with like a lot of Diablo 4 information and stuff, I think people would have been really stoked. But yeah, there wasn't a BlizzCon last year, so we'll see. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fun and worth it for for some people. Just not me this year. Definitely not me this year. <laughs> yeah, not me either. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, so we have a couple of other short news stories here tonight. So uh, Amazon has announced that they are going to take a, another try at turning Lord of the Rings into an MMO, which I am here for. I, You guys know I love ESO, and I feel like Lord of the Rings would be another high fantasy version of that. We've had that tries in the past that haven't necessarily landed, but um, I mean, I, I will play Lord of the Rings content. I will watch Lord of the Rings content, and I am all here for Lord of the Rings content. So, thumbs up. Yeah, I put this story in here uh, specifically because I knew you were a huge, huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Uh, are you going to play that Gollum game that's out, I think, this week? Is it this week? Yeah. I am going to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it looks uh, different from other Lord of the Ring experiences, but it is uh, it is it is a Gollum video game. So there you go. I will uh, I will have to look into that as well. But yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if reviews are out yet for that one. <laughs> I honestly, it's the kind of thing where I just really, really love Lord of the Rings, so I don't really care. I'll I'll try anything. <laughs> well, then you're set. Lord of the Rings, Gollum this week. Exactly, yep. <laughs> um, and Dead by Daylight, so they just had their seventh anniversary stream last week. Uh, they actually had to bump it up. It was supposed to be today, uh, the 23rd, but they had to bump it up because uh, there were a whole bunch of leaks. So they actually ended up doing their stream, their seventh anniversary stream last week. And it was <laughs> kind of sad, kind of funny, because uh, they would have things like they they were trying to do the, it's available in the PTV now. And then it was like, asterisks, disclaimer, on the 23rd, because we weren't expecting to do the stream today. <laughs> so, you know, there were a couple of moments like that, which were unfortunate, but there were a lot of really good uh, Dead by Daylight announcements that came out. It was really interesting. And then uh, one of those is that they are collaborating with Supermassive to make an Until Dawn style Dead by Daylight game, which I am very excited about. Yeah, the main reason I put the story, uh, the story did not come across my desk until I had uh, just finished listening to the latest uh, core uh, Scott Johnson's video game podcast, which I know folks are familiar with, but they they went over the news and it was like, yeah, that doesn't sound very interesting. I'm like, oh, man, have we got the podcast for you? Uh, we are very interested. <laughs> so interested in yeah. Dead by Daylight news. I am very, very excited. Uh, Nicolas Cage is coming 
to Dead by Daylight as a standalone survivor. And that was another thing that they announced is that they are still going to stick to their traditional uh, release schedule of like one killer, one survivor in a ma- in a major patch, but they're going to have survivor only patches in between. And so Nicolas Cage is going to be one of those survivor only packages. And he's just himself, Nicolas Cage, like not any of his like iconic characters, just Nicolas Cage, the survivor. I'm like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the Nicolas Cage film? I have not. Okay. So you should watch that because like when I saw this announcement, I was like, I hope this is his character where he plays himself in Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And then maybe in a couple months we get uh, Pedro Pascal's character from that movie. But you should watch that film. It's a, it's so good. It's hilarious. It's action packed. And I, I went in like low expectations because I'm like, all right, well, Let's see what this is, but it is a lot of fun. Okay, I will definitely go and check that out then. But yeah, uh, if you do want a rundown of everything that Dead by Daylight announced, uh, there were a lot of things. If you're if you're into it, if you're into that universe, there were a lot of things announced in the seventh anniversary stream. And I'm also very excited and happy that they are still getting as many licenses and still exploring the world of Dead by Daylight um, seven years in. I just, man, I love behavior. I love that game. So uh, congratulations on seven years. But that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to join the conversation, head on over to Bitly slash TGI Discord. As we mentioned, there is a Tears of the Kingdom forum thread in there for you guys now. Uh, We're going to be starting Psychonauts 2 this summer for our game club, and all of that action is happening over in the Discord again. That is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Go check it out. You can also visit us on the web. We are at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Plays. Ryan is at Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In, and remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.